0: Welcome to the Swim Swim Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. She is a four-time Paralympian. She's won 23 Paralympic medals, 13 of them gold. She's won over 60 World Championship medals. And most recently, she was in a Super Bowl ad. Uh, Joining us today, we are talking from Colorado Springs to Jessica Long.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Excited to sit down and talk with you for a bit. As I mentioned, most recently, uh, you were in an, a Toyota ad in the Super Bowl. Uh, can you tell us? Let, let's let's break this whole thing down. First of all, how did this come to be?
1: Yeah. Well, first off, it was just so unreal. It's still. It's been a little over a week, and I'm still kind of just letting it all soak in. Um, it really, you know, being a part of Team Toyota is kind of how it all came about. Toyota is a sponsor of the Paralympic movement for sure. The Olympics and the Paralympics team USA. Um, and I am one of their ambassadors going to Tokyo 2021 as one of their athletes ambassadors. Um, but that's kind of how it all came about was just representing Toyota the best that I can. They're one of the best supporters of the Olympic and Paralympic movement. Um, and really it just kind of surprised me even just to be, uh, one of the main people to get a spot, and then for it to be used as the Super Bowl commercial. Um, I'm still kind of getting used to it, but uh, I love how it turned out, and I think they did such an incredible job showcasing my story.
0: Yeah, and and that was the the first. Obviously, that was the hardest hitting part, and the, and the most prevalent part is that you know, in this 30 second ad, you kind of got a glimpse into your personal story and journey. Uh, as a, as a kid and as an athlete um do you, did, did did what was what was the behind the scenes in um you discussing with them how to how to portray that story
1: yeah well toyota has a lot of incredible people who come up with these types of ideas and we you know we were brainstorming um but they came to me and just talked about the idea of upstream and right away I fell in love with it and to see it come to life when we had some you know FaceTime, not FaceTime. Zoom calls, going back and forth, and seeing kind of um, the sketches and the plans and how they wanted it to be. It really was just unbelievable because it's. It was just something where I was like, "How? How did I never think of that? Like, I've never thought of swimming up stream through all of these different moments of my life and how it wasn't going to be easy. And the thing that stuck out the most to me was that they didn't highlight the gold medals or the success or any of the, you know, the, the awards or Anything that makes me Jessica Wong, they really highlighted just the start of it, you know, in a Russian orphanage. And I think that scene with a little Russian baby, um, that's like when I really start to lose it. There's so many different scenes leading up to, you know, the final moment of touching the wall. But they really went above and beyond to make sure that everything was so accurate. And I think that's why it was so special. Like everything is so detailed, even down to like, the little, little Jess jumping over me, even like the colors of her suit, the way she's wearing her hair and the cap, like the way she started on the swim block, like be, she was coached and everything on how to start just like me. Um, so there was a lot of thought that went into this. And I think that just means so much to me, you know, especially representing the Paralympic movement, being a swimmer. Um you know, having my parents see it, you know, knowing that line there, it's like, it's not going to be easy, but it'll be worth it. Um, There was a lot to it that made it very special.
0: Yeah. And that brings up a couple of points I want to follow up with. The first being, had you ever thought much about your beginnings or, you know, just kind of where you're coming from and how you got into this sport um, as, as a significant motivator or just milestone for you before this?
1: I literally only got into swimming because I was a very angry child, like swimming was the place to get out my anger and frustration. Um, But it was also a place I felt really free and capable. But that's I mean, I love swimming because You know, my childhood was really hard. It was really painful. There are are spots in my childhood I don't remember just because I was going in and out of surgery so much. And by the time if we finished the left leg, we got the right leg done. And and by the time the swelling had gone down, I had just gotten gotten fitted for a set of prosthetics. And i had only been walking for like a, a month and then had to do it all over again on the other leg. So A lot of my childhood there was no one who could really tell me why, you know, why I was born without my legs, why I was adopted, um, or even the fact that like my birthday's on leap year, right? Like I like and non existent throughout the year. I mean, there was a lot of really painful moments. So when I found swimming, of course, I mean there was a competitive edge. I liked being a mermaid. But honestly, it just was a place that I could just swim out every frustration and every everything I was feeling. And by the time I was done swim practice, you know, obviously I loved racing the kids and I always wanted to win and be first. But a lot of it was really getting out some of the, the hurt and the frustration that people couldn't tell me exactly like, oh, this is why you were born this way. So I really learned to love the sport through it. But um, it was a great place for me to just get out frustration and anger. And anger was a very comfortable emotion for me as a kid. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still love it. It turned into a passion. It was, I think it was always kind of a passion, but it started because I just needed to get out some frustration in a way. Mm.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, especially later in in your life, you know, more more in these more current years, is your childhood something you reflect upon often? Um, again, just because the Super Bowl ad told this story of, of your very young childhood beginnings, is that something that is pretty prevalent even if you're You know, talking to a group or or an individual about your career, or is that something you tend to shy away from because there was so much anger and it was such a hard period?
1: You know, these are such good questions. Um, it's something I've really learned to talk about. You know, definitely being more vulnerable. I I think as a kid, when you're just adopted, you don't you're not really sure if you can show too much emotion, just because you really never know if you're going to be sent back to the orphanage. And I know that's a really tough thing to say, but it's kind of a thought that goes through your head. You know, when you're when you're adopted, and um, I think for me. It's always there, right? I've also had the opportunity to meet my birth mom and my birth father, and they married and had three children. I went back to meet them in 2014. Um, I've, you know, I've been in therapy for it for the last five years. I never thought I would need therapy, but it's really helped me. And it's really helped me you know, when there's been speeches or places that I've shared my story, you know, a lot of people can't really relate to being an amputee, right? They can respect it. They think it's really cool. They're inspired. But when I've been able to share about the adoption and the pain and the identity and the feeling of being abandoned, Um, it's actually been really cool to connect with other people. And the only way I'm able to even share those little bits, um, is because I've been more vulnerable and and sharing it. Um, and that's actually been one of the responses through the Super Bowl. And even when it was about to air, like the night before I was like, wow, like this is a very vulnerable spot. Like I love it. And my, my life, I feel like has almost always been on display. I mean, even down to meeting my birth mom, that was, we filmed that whole thing for everyone to see. Um. But there was just a moment before it went live or for Super Bowl Sunday where I was talking to my parents and I was like, oh like and now everyone's gonna see these small little moments. Because, you know, when I'm diving over me, I didn't start the sport thinking I was gonna be a gold medalist. I started because I was, you know, I love swimming and I I it was just going through a lot. Like it was so hard. nothing in my life felt very stable. So I did join swimming. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a combination, right? It's it's the frustration. It's the love. It's the feeling of freedom. It's feeling strong. Um, but before I found Paralympics, I would definitely say that I wasn't very confident. I would never show my legs. So there's been a lot of really great moments um, to even be able to share my story with people.
0: Yeah, All and yeah, this is this is great insight and again the the second portion i want to touch on, wanted to touch on you t- did touch on a bit is is the response that you've received from you know this vulnerable m- moment i mean it's kind of funny cuz it's a super bowl ad right which you expect to see like doritos commercials and bud light commercials you know and like things being silly and then there was this ad that's like really touching and really emotional and like you said very a very vulnerable piece of your history and uh it, it was kind of a stark contrast but it was really cool obviously to see a swimmer in that position and um to get a little bit of insight into your background and so what what, what kind of response have you received from that
1: yeah the responses have been so amazing i i'm so surprised that people take time to, to write me. I think it's very special. Um, I'm trying to get back to everyone. I definitely want to be that person that just says, thank you for the kind words. So stand by. Um, but there's been so many incredible moms who are girls who are adopted. I think I've, I've received a lot of adoption or just moms with special needs kids. And it is really hard. There was a lot of really hard moments, right? That again, that line where it, it won't be easy, but it will be worth it. I think for me, it was just such a special moment where it was hard, not just for me, but for my parents. Right. Like, and not in the sense that they would ever regret adopting me, but in the sense that they knew adopting me, I was going to not live a very normal life. Right. I was going to have surgeries. I was going to be fitted for prosthetics. And I mean, fighting for prosthetics with insurance, that's a whole nother conversation, right? And my parents, my dad was the only one that worked. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. So they were very selfless and and very just incredible to want to even do that, right? To go to Russia to get me. So it's crazy. I mean, yes, there's been so many, so many incredible responses and, and girls who are just like how do you, how did you do it? Like, how did you, how did you go back to Russia and meet your family and, and should I do it? And what do you think? And, um, there's just been a lot of to just how inspiring it was. And I like being an inspiration. I don't really mind that. I think one thing I want people to know is it's not inspiring if I get coffee, it's not inspiring if I walk around or if I, if I go to the grocery store, but you can be inspired by my accomplishments and that's, I hope you're inspired by, by my accomplishments. Um, so yeah, I'm so sorry. I had a long practice this morning. I'm, I'm like, what am I saying? Um, but no, the responses have been amazing. People have been so incredible and just so encouraging, and especially the Paralympic community. I think that was huge. And I'm so grateful that they they decided to showcase me. There's so many incredible Paralympic athletes that have just as incredible stories. I think that's why we love the Paralympics is because everyone has such a unique and powerful story. Um but yeah, I'm really thankful it was me and just letting it soak in.
0: Yeah, it's I'm I'm thankful it was you as well because I think the the finished product was just really impactful and it was really really great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like you and Team Toyota did a great job with it, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely. So switching topics a little bit, um, this, you know, this past year has been a crazy one. You're so I have to ask, I've talked to a few other um, para-athletes para that were living, you know, residents of the OTC when COVID started. Was that your scenario also? Were you at the OTC when the COVID pandemic hit nearly a year ago in March of 2020?
1: I was about to come out here. Um, okay. Well, I was consistent, like getting some really good technique work. If anything, I was actually playing catch-up because I got married in 2019, October, and then the <laughs> media summit, there's all sorts of really fun stuff. We did our honeymoon in December. And then like new year, I was like, whoo, like there is no time to um, like every day counts. But also at the same time, like, you know this is my fifth Paralympics. I was going to enjoy the year of my planning my wedding. So 2019, I was definitely um, a little bit more behind on swimming, it wasn't my top priority. Um, And the reason I was switching just training was I was kind of doing a lot of it by myself. And, you know, I've been swimming for 18 years. Um, I like swimming with people. I like the encouragement. I love listening to music. I love when we are all cheering each other on and it gets that intensity, but you all do it together. It just, there's nothing like, nothing more special and at home i would just be like by myself and i i would do an 800 and i'd be like that is enough for me um so yeah i was definitely like really if i don't make a change i don't know if i'm going to make it to tokyo and i still feel like i have a lot left in me and i still i mean it's really cool to see the improvements happening right now but before when the pandemic was about to or when everything went down in march um i was just about to come out to the training center and um, i was still living in baltimore Honestly, I don't know about anyone else, but I didn't think anything really s- severe or anything was really gonna happen. I didn't think there'd be a shutdown. I was just kind of going with the flow. Um, so that Monday when my coach was like, if you want to come back and do a double, you know, you just have to get it in by 5:30. And we're shutting down for two weeks. And I was just like, We all know it's not gonna be two weeks, but okay. So I took up a lot of other different things. So I started rowing. I was like, I'm a rower now. Um, I was biking. I was doing a lot of cross-training because my PT was still open and I was able to go in there. Um, If anything, it actually really helped me maintain my strength. So when I got back in the water 75 days later, um, I really wasn't struggling as much as I thought. Took me a couple weeks. Um, And then I made the decision to come back out here or to come here um, in October. Um, So I was always going to come out to the training center, but it just got pushed to October. And here I am still back out here.
0: Yeah. And I mean, do you feel like all things considered this year of training has, has been beneficial for you since this shutdown? I mean, I know you said the the cross training helped you stay fit and maintain strength, but, um, was the time out of the water beneficial? I know talking to a lot of athletes, you know, they've said that reprieve was a, was a really good thing in some ways
1: this is going to sound so awful because obviously that COVID was a very real, it's still a very real thing. And I don't take lightly in that. Um, But I can remember in like February, March, knowing that I was behind and driving home from practice one day and just being like, I really wish that like Tokyo wasn't happening this year, which I know it's like such a weird thing to think, but I was just, it's normal, right? Like normal, um, good and bad days. And I was just driving home and I was like, I just, I really wish it was next year, um, and then everything happened. Um, but yeah, I was not—I was really gonna be. It was gonna be cutting it close. Um, I mean, I was in shape and I was doing well, but it was still like having my doubts that I really hadn't made it my priority in 2019. So I am really thankful for another year. I think as athletes, so we're really used to adapting um, to any situation, right? Nothing. Things do not go perfectly when you're competing at an Olympics or Paralympics. I've missed buses. I've missed getting food, you know, suits ripped. I mean, all sorts of scenarios happen. That's why you kind of train your mind for any situation. Um, so when everything kind of happened, it was actually a time that I was able to just slow down. And my life had been go, go, go for so long. I think, I mean, I was traveling nonstop um, and it was these amazing opportunities and even 2019 that I was like, I don't want to pass these up. But also it's like, how do you choose between like your career and these amazing opportunities and getting your name, you know, Paralympics in your name. So. When everything happens, it was actually really nice to just slow down and realize what's very, like what's important. And I I really hope that that's what people kind of took away even all last year, Um, just kind of, you know, family. I mean, thank goodness for FaceTime. I really called everyone up all the time. Um, Writing cards, sent cards, got to spend time with my husband. Um, but it wasn't pretty. I would say like, I was super motivated. I don't know how the other athletes were, but I was super motivated when we got back into it. And then when it was the one year or like the official start, um, that's when it was really tough. Just like, Oh, like we should have been in Tokyo. And then when Tokyo was supposed to be done, that's when it was kind of a little bit off, like, Oh, we still have another year. So it's been a slow process, but at the same time, it's been really great and out here training away. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Since you've been at the OTC since October of 2020, has training pretty much been routine? I mean, I've I've never been to the OTC period, certainly not as an athlete, but I've heard it, you know, it's, it's pretty regimented and not the most exciting place, but, you know, you're there to do work.
1: And that was before COVID. Yeah, we have a lot of new rules that we have to follow if we want to maintain, keep this place open. So as athletes, um, we're just doing the best that we can, right, with all these new um, rules in place. Um, you know, it's kind of one, to a lane. We're all separate. We've got waterproof headsets. We're listening to the coach give us our, like each set. Um, but yeah, it's been really great. It's actually in October. It took me a little bit longer to get into shape. I would say about that six week, eight week mark, um, right up till Christmas. Um, I was just finally feeling like myself right now. I'm maintaining it. We're getting Pretty beaten up right now, but um, but that's why I'm here, right? I love it. I love the challenge. I love today. Britney Spears is blasting on the radio. All of us girls are getting through some 400s together. So it really is a very special place. Um, it's so fun to see familiar faces. I'm actually living in my old room when I moved out here in 20 2010. I was 18 when I moved out here. Um, so that's been kind of special and cool. It feels kind of right in a way, like oh, I'm out in my old room. I remember when my parents brought me out here when I was 18 um but overall it's just a really special place and um I'm really thankful just to be able to put work in
0: uh, how what is what is a normal training schedule just like a week uh look like for you especially right now out there
1: yeah well mind you I'm getting a little older so I'm like this is probably the most I've done <laughs> Um, after Rio, I was very adamant that I was only gonna swim once, once a day. I wasn't doing doubles by myself. Um, so we are swimming, you know, the doubles three days a week. Um, so six, nine practices in six days. And then our weight training right now um is two days a week, which is kind of all we're allowed in the weight room. Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of all sorts of stuff on your own. Thankfully, I'm able to get into PT. Um, that can be kind of, you know, figuring that out. Um and we're just working around. The off complex athletes and the on complex, and thankfully we're at low, low enough numbers that we're all able to train again together, like the swimmers off complex. So we're just, yeah, making it work. But it's definitely very, um, yeah. You eat, breathe, sleep swimming out here. So yeah, it's been.
0: gotcha. Yeah, nice. I mean, how how great is it to have people to train with? You know, at the moment after having swum by yourself for a long time.
1: Oh, I do not, I do not like swimming by myself anymore. I used to do it when I was younger, but I just think at this point swimming for 18 years, you need that encouragement, you need that push. Um, and it's definitely really changed just my swimming over the last couple of months or even weeks. Um, and yeah, it's been really awesome. And even today went some really fast times. So I feel like I'm on the right track.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's great to hear. Um, I, I wanna take it back again a little bit. You know you've mentioned your your career is 18 years long at this point you know you've been swimming since you were 11 uh, and you went to your first Paralympics when you were 12 and you won three gold medals there um, was was that a shocking experience for you being a 12 year old and, and and having that level of success especially um, as I'm you know I was reading this before we got on but um, when you won your gold in the 100 freestyle, you, you took down the Paralympic w- record holder and world record holder at the time. Um, so yeah. was, as a 12-year-old, and w- again, going back to that, that younger stage of your life, was, was, that a, was that shocking for you?
1: I had no idea like, how incredible it really was until like, more recently. Um, sometimes, so I won that gold as a 12-year-old, in, like a 109 100 free. And that is you know, no kicking, that's all upper body strength. Um, that's the essay category. And now that I'm here at altitude and we'll do repeat hundreds, and I like, sometimes, like, if I'm up on the block and I'll go like a 109, which is pretty good considering not being in a racing suit, not being tapered and all sorts of stuff. Um, I'm like, how did I go a 109 as a little tiny 12 year old? And that to me is crazy, right? The looking back and thinking, Wow, like you really were fast because at the time you don't really think you're fast. And I've always really struggled, like battled. You know, I don't want to just be known as a Paralympic athlete, I want to be known as just an elite athlete. I really want to change. You know, obviously, I'm well known in the Paralympic movement, but overall, I just want to be known as an elite athlete. So even as like a little 12 year old, I knew that there was still others out there who could beat me and I wanted to beat all the kids with legs. So um, I think what really was pretty cool for me was getting a chance to train with Bob Bowman and Michael Phelps and that training group in Baltimore. Um, that's when I really felt like, OK, like I am an elite athlete. Um, but yeah, no, winning winning a couple gold as a twelve year old was pretty wild, just because I wasn't expected to go. Um, but I think that's the most exciting thing is just um, just this idea of just keep keep going, right? There's been so many opportunities. I could have ended my career in Beijing. I could have ended it in London. Like there's so many times I could have ended it, and even after Rio, right? I, I definitely didn't have the greatest performance in Rio. There was a lot of things that you know just very burnt out. But you just see when you, I mean, when you continue to push and you continue to, you know, push through some of the struggles and the obstacles, I think really good things come. And, you know, I would never would have had a Super Bowl commercial if I had given, you know, decided to retire and quit, Um, but I wasn't satisfied with my performance. So here I am, I'm I'm really looking forward to Tokyo and um, just kind of, you know, I think a lot of people, my times haven't been that great, but also at the same time, the last four years, I've dedicated to just working on myself, my mental health, I took up coaching a girls' team. I've kind of taken a step back from the sport, but still being a part of it. But here I am, and and when I'm at my best, um, I feel really unstoppable. So.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned that uh, tidbit about you didn't really really realize what that meant until later on, or you know until recently, um, because again, that's you know as a, as a young girl, I'm guessing you don't really realize the impact of something like that, or is anyone as a young kid doing something at that level did you know at at your next Olympics or the Olympics after that did you kind of were you able to take it in more or just kind of realize what that meant as an athlete
1: yeah I think I mean as long as you're learning through each experience I think you're on the right track I think the number one thing I would suggest to just young swimmers is that swimming just can't be your whole, it can, your whole identity cannot be wrapped up in a sport, which I know is kind of hard because we, we eat, live, breathe swimming, but it's just, I've really come to the conclusion that swimming is something I love to do, but the, at the end of the day, it is just swimming and it's not the end of the world. If I go at that time, I think it's a learning experience and it's okay. How do we change it for the next meet? And I, I've always really been, I've always liked that just um, ways to improve and and certain areas to breathe and when to taper correctly, you know, all sorts of different little things. But I think at the end of the day, just recognizing that you're just, you just love to swim, right. It's part of your passion. But I think when you turn it into something that it's just all of you, all of your worth is in swimming. I think that's a really heavy, it's heavy, it's hard. And I think swimming's always could let you down in that way. If you really think about it in that sense. Um, so I'm at a point where I, I still have the desire to win. I still want to be the best that I can be. But I also recognize that I just, you know, I love swimming, but it's not all of me. So it's kind of just that balance, balancing act. And I think my parents did a really good job growing up. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of really cool opportunities come in. I signed with Nike when I was 14. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, swimming was just swimming. And they made sure I had time with family and friends and friends. If I was really, really, if my shoulders were hurting, like I didn't push through it. Like I really made sure to keep my shoulders healthy, uh, but just all into perspective, right? Like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I didn't realize some of these things. Um, I mean, signing with Nike at 14, that's, you know, it's a big deal, but uh, giving your parents, giving you that perspective of it is just swimming. Do you feel like you always had that as a swimmer? And if not, do you feel like there was a certain period where you were able to really develop that perspective?
1: Yeah, I would say that kind of came around age 20. Um, 16, I think you just put so much pressure in yourself, or at least I did around that age. Um, I think at 16, I was ready to retire because I got a bronze medal or something. I don't know, it's so ridiculous. But um, I just think there's so much pressure. And I think in today's world there's already so much pressure, right? Like we have social media and comparison and swimming is a tough sport because it will tell you how, like how you're doing, like the clock doesn't lie. And I think if anything, like just having that passion and if it's in swimming, that's great. Um, But I'm really thankful. My parents knew nothing about swimming and I am so thankful because they did not pressure me. It was my decision. If I didn't want to go to practice, they'd be like, I mean, they were pretty good, like big on commitments, but also like, okay, Jess, let's talk about why you don't want to go to practice. Like what's going on kind of thing versus you have to go. Like we would kind of talk about it, but nothing was ever forced. And truly, I think that's a huge reason to my success because it was always my decision. I kept myself accountable in that way. I think if my parents wanted me to swim, I would have been like, nope. Like I always wanted to do any, like the opposite of what they said. So I I do see that with some parents these days where I'm like, you're not the coach. And I know that's really hard, but like, just remember you're their parent and they need your support in a different way. Um, And I just, I mean, at the end of the day, I only wanted to make my parents proud and happy. And and, and we talked about something in my times, but like my mom was just happy if I finished a race, like, they could have cared less. And anytime I got disqualified, they took me to dare queen. Like that's what we called it. DQ, dare queen. So I got ice cream. So it was just always fun. Right. It was always my decision. And I think that was a huge reason as to why, like, I'm still doing it. I never just felt the
0: pressure. Mom and dad listening. Take note. This is yeah. how you be a swim parent. <laughs> uh, we've had, I don't know how many times this has come up, but I mean, you said it best, you know, mom and dad are not the coach. They're the parents and all they need to do is, is, is support. And I, I really do feel like, yeah, the less, the less parents know about swimming, usually the better.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was even down to like my, my parents were going to get me a racing suit, like six sizes too big. And I was like, no, this is, you know, you don't like, they knew nothing, but, um, but yeah, for sure. Just let your kid just, yeah. Do their own thing and just support them. Cause you know, they're the ones putting in the work, you know?
0: Yeah. So, so on that same top or on the, on the, on the topic of, you know, realizing that your identity is not just as a swimmer have, Mm -hmm. you know, you're again, you're 18 years into your career, you've, you've done it all and you've done it for a long time. Has what you enjoy about swimming changed throughout that time, especially kind of in the later years, you know, what has kept it fun or exciting or, or kept motivating you? Um, Has that metamorphosized and changed throughout?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I look back at each Paralympics and I'm going into my fifth, um, you know, when I was 12, I had no expectations. and Somehow did really well. And then when I was 16, I told everyone that I was going to win seven gold like Mark Spitz. And I did not do that. And I thought about retiring because there was just so much pressure to be perfect. And I've always liked being perfect, right? Like I, I definitely... I don't know that was the whole identity right like my whole identity was swimming um and one of the big things was uh, when i was 18 i changed my environment so i moved out here to the olympic training center i had a very different training regimen i had an amazing coach dave Denniston, who i think he just gave me freedom to just like be myself and to not place that pressure on me because it's one thing to get to the top but to remain at the top is like a whole different ball game like people are chasing you you're not chasing them and, um, he just gave me freedom to just, you know, do my own thing. Ended up having an amazing performance. And I think that's because there was, you know, not as much pressure going into 2016. You know, there was a lot of things out of my control. Um, there was a lot of stuff with classification. There was a lot of stuff. I had a really bad eating disorder. I'd never suffered from eating before I was burned out. I had two shoulder injuries. I couldn't, like, everything was just like really bad timing. Um, And I was, you know, I'm Jessica Long, I'm supposed to win the gold. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm, I'm just struggling. And it was the first time that I felt really like, I am human, like I'm not invincible. And it was really, really tough. And I definitely did not want to continue. And then I, I had made a commitment to coach an all girls team. And I think when I was, you know, near swimming, but like still away from it. And I took a step back instead of retiring completely, it really helped heal some of the pain. And you always hear about the post Olympic blues. That's like a very real thing or post Olympic blues, but when it was, and you hear it's like a six month thing. But when I was like, still sad at like seven months and like eight months and nine months, I was like, like, what is going on with me? And I just, I didn't want some, I didn't want to retire but I still wanted to keep swimming a part of my life and um, if I showed up to practice that was a good day if I didn't my coach was just like oh okay we'll take it. we'll try the next day so again there was like not a lot of pressure but I've really come to a point where I just I kind of want to see what I can do with healthy shoulders. I've spent the last four years um, with my PT, really building my shoulders and making sure that they're healthy. Um, but also just having more communication, speaking up when I need to, my needs, like making sure I like my coaches know my needs. I think that's really important. Um, I also really feel like I'm a smarter swimmer. I think that's another exciting element to being a little bit older. Is just that I understand this and you know, I've been through four Paralympic games. So, you know, if anything goes wrong in Tokyo or anything happens, I'm like, Oh, I'm prepared. Like I know what to do. I know what to expect. And I love the pressure. So it's a lot of things. Um, and I don't know, I think I definitely would love to swim to LA 2028, but like, I don't want to be the athlete. I don't want to be that swimmer that like, doesn't make finals. And everyone's like, why is she still here? Um, so we'll see if I go to LA, I don't know, but it is the best form of exercise being an amputee. Um, it is kind of the only exercise that I can really get just especially cardio. Cause I'm not going to go for a jog or a run. Um, so yeah, we'll see how long I keep swimming, but for now, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it and loving it. And I think that's been really cool to see the freedom, like just seeing myself like get really confident again in the sport. Um, so yeah, it's all good.
0: It's all good. Yeah. Uh, that... <laughs> That's some great insight from Jessica Long. Jessica, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with me today. Uh, any any parting thoughts before we sign off?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just my advice to anyone listening is really just find your passion, whatever that might be. If it's swimming, great. If not, go find it. I believe when you're passionate, you can be super successful, but like you define your own success. And yeah, just be passionate.
0: Well, again, Jessica, I appreciate your time and Thank you for taking it to sit down and talk with us today
1: yes thank you thanks for having me
0: <laughs> you've been listening to the swim Swam podcast stay tuned for new episodes every week you can take swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel for more videos as well